0: Well, we're continuing to finish up the book of Deuteronomy, and you may be noticing this is taking a bit longer than I expected. And as we continue to talk, I'm reminded how important this book of Deuteronomy is to understanding the Old Testament. My thought was that since it's not one of the chronological books, we would not spend as much time on it. But as I work my way through thinking through all the connections to the rest of the scriptures, Deuteronomy is just incredibly important. It's just that the timeline of Deuteronomy fits within the timeline of the book of Numbers. Numbers goes 40 years, and Deuteronomy is just right at the end of Numbers. So there's 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 that. All right, back to page 78, the bottom right-hand corner, Moses reviews Israel's covenant relationship with God. And we had just said that the Covenant made at Mount Sinai was a conditional covenant, and there's blessings and cursings attached to it. Take a moment and turn to Deuteronomy chapter 27, and you'll notice that there's a command that Moses gives. Look at verse 9 of Deuteronomy chapter 27. Then Moses and the Levitical priests said to all Israel, Keep silence and hear, O Israel, this day you have become the people of the Lord your God. You shall therefore obey the voice of the Lord your God, keeping His commandments and His statutes statutes which I command you today. That day Moses charged the people, saying, verse 12, When you've crossed over the Jordan, these shall stand on Mount Gerizim to bless the people, Simeon, Levi, Judah, Issachar, Joseph, and Benjamin. And these shall stand on Mount Ebal, for the curse: Reuben, Gad, Asher, Zebulun, Dan and Naphtali. And the Levite shall declare to all the men in a loud voice. And from verse 15, all the way then to verse 26, you can see this series of curses. Cursed be the man who makes a carved or cast metal image. Cursed be anyone who dishonors his father or mother, and so on and so forth. And then there's blessings for obedience, followed by curses for disobedience in chapter 28, starting in verse 15, and so forth. Now, it's been said by Moses there in chapter 27 of Deuteronomy that this was to be what the nation was to do, that they were to get to Mount Ebal and Mount Gerizim and to line up on those two mountains and listen. And then in Joshua, and so you can turn over for just a moment to Joshua chapter 8, the the um, nation actually follows this exactingly. Look at Joshua chapter 8 and verse 30. At that time, this is following Jericho being uh, defeated and the whole issue at at the city of Ai, but Joshua built an altar to the Lord, the God of Israel on Mount Ebal, just as Moses, the servant of the Lord, had commanded the people of Israel, as it's written in the book of the law of Moses, an altar of uncut stones. And then uh, just as they were commanded, they followed what Moses had done. You can look at verse 35 of chapter eight of Joshua. There was not a word that all that Moses commanded that Joshua did not read before all the assembly of Israel and the women and the little ones and the sojourners who lived among them. So Moses intended for the nation to get started on the right foot and for them to account for the law of Moses, and that's exactly what ended up happening. Now I want you to take a moment and let's look at this map on page uh, let's see, 77. So just a page backwards. And you can see again, Mount Gerizim and Mount Ebal, which we spoke of. And then Shechem, the city that's right in between Mount Gerizim and Mount Ebal. Shechem will be an important city in the history of Israel. And so that's what happened in chapters 27 and following 27 and 28. And then, uh, extremely significant, let's get back to page 79 of of Ben-Ware, the very bottom of the right-hand column. Look halfway through the paragraph at the right-hand bottom of 78. Extremely significant in this section is the discussion of the Palestinian Covenant, which is a subdivision of the unconditional Abrahamic Covenant. Now, the Palestinian Covenant gave the title deed of Canaan to the nation of Israel. Now, pause for a second and look at page 39. So flip back in your book to page 39. And I want to draw your attention to the chart that we've looked at several times. Um, it says, God's covenants with Israel, page 39, of been where? And you see the promises made, promises fulfilled. We've looked at this chart, but notice particularly the Palestinian covenant in Deuteronomy 30. Find that blue box, the Palestinian covenant in Deuteronomy 30. So that's where we find ourselves uh, in this section, in Deuteronomy 30. And that Palestinian covenant uh, is the title deed of Canaan to the nation of Israel. So all in one short section of the end of Deuteronomy, we see the Palestinian covenant, which is a subsection of the Abrahamic covenant. Remember the Abrahamic covenant had the land, the seed, and the blessing, and the Palestinian covenant explains the land portion. So this is really just a review of the land promise that's part of the Abrahamic covenant. Now, notice, that also the Mosaic Law Code. That's really what's being given within um, twenty-seven chapters, twenty-seven and twenty-eight. Okay, so I'm just saying that in order for us to to get a a handle on what we're talking about when we're looking at Deuteronomy. So you have Moses's Law, where he's saying, "Here's how the nation of Israel shall live," and then you have the Palestinian covenant, which is a subdivision of the Abrahamic covenant. Now back to page 79, the uh, left-hand side of page 79 at the top, what we just read, uh, the Palestinian covenant gave the title deed of Canaan to the nation of Israel. It was and always would be Israel's land. The borders of the land were defined in the law However, Israel's sin and disobedience would affect this covenant. Although disobedience would not annul or cancel or wipe out the covenant, Israel could lose their right to live on the land. But it's also clear that in the future, Israel would be converted and restored to the land. And what that means is, in the future, Israel is going to have the land and the folks who are in it are going to be saved. And it's totally going to be fulfilled in the time of the thousand year reign of Christ, where Christ will reign on the throne of Israel, literally, physically, from the land of Israel. And there's a whole series of Bible verses that refer to that here on page 79. You see Genesis 17, 7 through 8, Genesis 13, 14 through 17, and so on, all the way down to Romans 11, 26, and 27. It would be a good exercise to look through those verses for your own encouragement. Okay, now page 79, the final ministry of Moses. After Moses communicated the needed information to the new generation, he knew that it was his time to die. Chapter 31, verse 2. Joshua would now take over and lead the people. Moses finished his writing or literary task, blessed the people, and climbed Mount Nebo to see the land of promise. So Abraham was from the area of Mount Nebo able to see across the, the way to across the Jordan into the promised land, though he never walked there he was able to see it. Israel entered into a new phase in its national life. Joshua and the people readied themselves for entering and conquering Canaan. Now, if you turn the page to page 80, you'll see the map. And that's worth studying to see the the border of the promised land. And this is what Israel was to take. And with that, let's bring this section to a close. And that puts us in a good spot to start Joshua in our next class. And thanks for your attentiveness during this hour.